everybody. This is Brandon Ellis with Elatech and your host for Industrial Automation It Doesn't Have To. And I am here with Beth Elliott, our marketing manager. Hey, Beth. Hey, Brandon. We're glad you're back this week. Yep, I am back. I was not allowed last time. No boys allowed. It was all about the women. That's right. I, I Thank you for uh, Allison for spending time with us last time. Her outlook on being a woman in engineering is refreshing, and her and Julie are just amazing. They are amazing. They work hard for us. I'm tickled that they're on our staff. Uh, They do a great job. So yes, thank you, Allison, for sitting in for me, I guess, keeping me from being able to do the thing I enjoy the most. (laughs) I don't know. It it was very good, and it was a good uh, uh, tribute to last month, which was... National, National Women's History Month. That's right. Yeah. And so uh, we wanted to do that as a show of support for that as well. So Absolutely. Thank you, Allison. And certainly, Julie, you were on the program, but thank you for your hard work. And Beth, thank you for your hard work here at Elatech. And speaking of which, we have crested 1,000 downloads. All right. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> where's the cheer on that that's, one? <laughs> oh, yeah. Where is it? Let's see. Uh, that's close. Nope, that's not it. Um, <laughs> So, and we're getting close to cresting 1,100 downloads. That's right. Mm-hmm. So thank you to everyone who has listened, downloaded. Uh, I know a lot of you stream, and so I don't know that, that the counter counts that, but we appreciate streaming, streamers, and uh, and all of the good comments that we've gotten. So like, continue to share, and subscribe, and uh, uh, we'll keep doing these podcasts. So today, Season 2, Episode 7. Yes. Go with the title. All right. Today, it's industrial automation. It doesn't have to be manual. Manual. Yes. We're going to be talking about robotic process automation, or RPA, another acronym. <laughs> One of the biggest acronym misconceptions uh, in in our engine, well, in manufacturing, in the manufacturing industry, uh, I think, because when folks hear robot... And process automation, they think manufacturing floor. That's right. That's right. We're going to dispel a couple of those misconceptions right. today. Yeah. So let's talk about the definition. And, and Beth and her wonderful research has gone to... Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> What's the definition according to our friends at Wikipedia? Well, according to Wikipedia, RPA is a form of business process automation technology based on metaphorical software robots or bots on or articulated intelligence I mean artificial intelligence sorry <laughs> they're also articulated <laughs> articulated artificial it's close and uh, the artificial intelligence they also refer to that as digital workers but that's ai yes yes okay. yes and what the rpa systems they develop the action list by watching the user perform a task in the application's graphical user interface, GUI, and then perform the automation by repeating those tasks directly in the GUI. So basically, almost anything that runs on your Windows PC can be accessed by these new RPA products. So too bad for you Mac users out there, according to Wikipedia. (laughs) It's not going to work on your Mac. (laughs) Actually, I see no reason why it couldn't. They're just not developing so much for the Mac. So maybe if you're a Mac developer, this is your time. Hey. So what's Brandon's definition? Brandon's definition of RPA. Well, let me say it this way. It is automation. It is robotic. And it 
does automate a process. It's a very, uh, let's, how do I say this? It's, so, many of our users, this is an analogy. Okay. Many of our users, I assume, have used a program, a very popular program by Microsoft that's called Microsoft Excel. And Excel is a spreadsheet software. And so spreadsheets, meaning you have rows and columns, and you can do a lot of stuff with numbers and text and fields and things of that nature. In Excel, uh, while a lot of people have listened or used it, I'm sure, but a lot of our listeners may not have gone so far as to ever get, get gotten involved with macros or recording macros. And so a macro is basically where, when you record a macro, it watches what you do. And so with Excel, if you're going to select a section of or, or some data, some numbers, let's say, in a table, and then you might want to sort. Maybe it's a, one of them is a date field, and you may want to sort by the date. Okay. And so you put your older or newest values first or the older values first, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so you would have a couple of clicks to do that. You have to click and drag to select it. You would then find your your sort function and tell it to sort by this or sort by that. Maybe you apply a filter, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But your mouse is going to be clicking on menus. Your keyboard's going to maybe t- typing stuff in or pressing enter, things of that nature. And the macro recorder in Excel will record every mouse click, every keyboard stroke, and every movement of the mouse as far as selecting places. But it only really comes into play within that spreadsheet, I'm sorry, yeah, spreadsheet, that spreadsheet within Microsoft Excel. Okay. I started to go off on database stuff. I've been having <laughs> meetings this morning with our database guys, and so I'm back and forth. Anyway, sorry about that. So spreadsheet is the correct term, not data not data, data table. And so it's really that basic, and so you can play that back. And usually in Excel, you can tie that to a key sequence. So Control-B or something would trigger this the sorting action the playback oh okay, okay. of that recording okay. which it's going to do very quickly mind you it's going to do exactly what you did every time okay so it is automated mm-hmm. you have to make the key click that you know you have to do the somebody a person has to do the control whatever but that's what happens well rpa is essentially the same thing except it's really controlling your windows based in this according All to wikipedia this- windows based Applications? All your applications. Okay. So going and opening your email client or whatever it is and opening your email and finding a specific attachment or, or an opening email and it's got uh, values in there or something like that. It's, I mean, it's got to be repeatable. Uh-huh. So there's one level of challenge there. Uh, but but if you open up the report or the email and it's always the same, it looks the same in the the only thing different is maybe the numbers or, or the names or some kind of text, and you're always selecting in the same place, you know, so many rows from the top or whatever, same number of characters, that kind of stuff, I would assume. It will mimic those kind of things. If you copy that and then you open up your accounting software and and you hit the same key, key selections there and, and, and icons and those kind of things, it will emulate those things for you. In similar fashion. Okay. But it's across, not just in Excel, which is macro would be Excel. Uh-huh. And I realize that there is even more things you can do with Excel where you can connect to outside things, but it's not really recording mouse movements at that point. Uh, but an RPA is really that simplistic. Now, I think that it's 
a developing industry. It is, yeah, from and, what I've read. Yeah, yeah, and it's maybe one day it's going to have more connectivity, and and maybe some of them already do, but right now, as we know, and as Wikipedia knows RPAs, uh, it is a recording type software where it's recording your mouse movements and keeping up with what applications you're opening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's what I say. That was my very long answer of what RPA is. Okay, okay. And there are some misconceptions of RPA. Mm-hmm. And I think you did. We talked about one of them. <laughs> well, the the names are borrowed. I'm, I feel like borrowed from the manufacturing mm-hmm. floor. So when you when you think about robots... Not everybody thinks about the robots you and I may think about because you've seen us install them, mm-hmm. which is articulated arm robots, scare robots, those kind of things, mechanical robots. They probably think about R2-D2 or C-3PO or, you know, that Will Smith movie where iRobot or whatever it was called, you know, those humanoid-style robots. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's called robotic process automation. It has nothing to do with a humanoid-style or a mechanical-style robot has to do with software-based mm-hmm. bots, as you pointed out. Yeah. That's that's a big misconception. That is, that is. And another one was that it won't completely replace humans. The People will have, I think, in my mind, they'll have more meaningful tasks that they can do rather than this repetitive, you know, entering data entry type stuff. Well, you remember in my brandology, there's four reasons to automate on the manufacturing floor. Yeah. I think that applies to this as well. If you need quality and consistency, if you want to decrease cycle time or increase production, reduce labor. And by reducing labor, we always said menial tasks or tasks that are in in the manufacturing world, if you're assembling or something that could have ergonomic, be damaging. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much about reducing labor in the manufacturing floor because you're getting rid of people. It's, It's about not hurting your people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's also the reclassification of people. So I think that RPA certainly lends to that, not so much from an ergonomic. Well, maybe. I mean, if you count. Well, what about carp- carpal tunnel? tunnel? Yeah. Started from <laughs> tapping at a keyboard. So, I mean, there's that. But mainly I think it's decreased time. So most people, most people have plenty to do during the day yeah. in this United States. Uh, most of us have not enough hours in the day to complete our task. And that is really the goal, is to take the menial tasks that are always the same. And if you're having to do that, if, if, if someone's having to do that, uh, a manager, even an associate, someone in the office, whatever, having to create a report or, or put together some kind of production information or accounting information or whatever, if you're having to do that every day and it takes 30 minutes to an hour every day, that adds up. It sure does. And then also, if it's mind-numbingly simple, then your mind will numb. It will. And and also, uh, most studies I'm sure have shown that with menial tasks like that, uh, some people hit the nail on the head every single time. But for others of us that aren't very menial task capable because we lose interest, we need newness in what we do, mm-hmm. we will begin to become a bit lackluster and pay, maybe not pay attention, and then you're going to start seeing mistakes. Yeah. Or maybe we do it on purpose and kind of do the Huckleberry Finn and <laughs> get other people to do it. Um, but, but, yeah, for whatever reason, we might not be as consistent, on, and the quality of our work may not 
be the best. But primarily, so so those two things exactly: quality and mm-hmm. consistency, and number two, decrease cycle time. Just if people have extra hours a day, they can work on something that's not so menial, mm-hmm. and um, and and that's just a reallocation of work hours. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I think RPA really really fits with that. And so it's not about replacing humans; it's about reducing their workload or repurposing their workload mm-hmm. to something that's that a human has to do yeah that's not menial yeah yeah and the other one um, i, I want to circle back to this the third one after we talk about the stages that people need to take when they implement rpa do not, you want to go over those real quick the stages yeah yeah because i want to circle back to the um, not limited to enterprise okay applications uh, well, the stages are yeah. basically, there's four stages, planning, and that's probably the biggest stage. So you have to decide what you're going to automate and then what items or objects need to be part of that. So mm-hmm. we talked about the software and all those kind of things. Those those are things, the email software, the, the accounting software, and that kind of thing. So again, in the example of an email comes in. There's something there. We need to, it's an invoice. We need to open the accounting software and do that kind of stuff. And we do the same thing time after time after Mm -hmm. time. And so you've got to identify the objects that are going to be involved with that. So that's not just softwares, but what am I going to be dealing with? So an email, and I mentioned just then an attachment. So now I have to open that attachment. So what opens the attachment? If it's PDF, maybe it's Adobe, maybe it's something else. So what? what things are going to be opening because we have to, we don't have to, we just need to make sure that they're available because it has to open when you click on it. Yeah. Because remember, we're mimicking clicks. That's right. And then when it opens, it needs to open with some type of consistency because we're mimicking clicks. So what we copy and paste has to be kind of in the same place every time. If it opens up with an advertisement or a pop-up or something like that, that might, unless that happened when you recorded it, but if it doesn't happen the next time, an RPA software is going to be looking to click on that to cancel that or ad. close okay. or no thanks. So it, there's got to be some level of consistency, at least as far as I can tell. Not that I'm an RPA expert. Uh, and then finally, you're going to just you're going to finalize how you're going to implement all that. So uh-huh. that's all part of planning. Then you have to develop it. Yeah. Again, if you're using off-the-shelf RPA type softwares, and we 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 aren't we haven't seen one rise to the top yet. In my in my opinion. Mm-hmm. There's a lot out there. There's more coming. It's a developing market, as I said earlier. And then how intelligent is it going to be? What things can it learn? Elon Musk, you talked about artificial intelligence. Yeah. If you want to really freak you out, podcast, not even podcast, just search YouTube or something for some of the interviews with Elon Musk. And he's talking about with machine learning and adaptation with our artificial intelligence and how we need to stop, 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 because he paints a picture of something that I only can attribute to, you know, the movie, The Matrix, yeah. where the machines take over. And it's kind of crazy. He's a smart guy. He's pretty insightful. But uh, anyway, that's that's that kind of stuff. And then once you develop it, Again, off-the-shelf software, I don't know. I don't know how that the best way to develop it. Maybe it's off-the-shelf. Maybe it's actually developing. Developing software is a bit, I think, higher level than yeah. RPA yeah. is supposed to be. Again, RPA's basic definition is recording what a human would normally do. And writing custom software kind of takes that out for you, at least you hope so. But it also has a lot more time invested. It's a lot larger investment typically. 
Uh, but still, you're, you're, so whether you're recording it, however you're going to do that, you develop it. And then at that point, it's like most anything else with software. You have to do a deployment. You have to do testing to make sure that it hits all those little things. So, you know, you go back and figure out a workaround if there is a if there pop is up, the ad, yeah, yeah. Or you go ahead and pay the money on the subscription so it doesn't come back <laughs> something and uh, to get consistency. And then past that, it's support and maintenance. Okay. So those yeah. are the basic planning, development, deployment, and then support. Okay, yeah. And then on the enterprise side, the the tools that are used to meet the RPA objectives are... Well, enterprise side, so when we talk about enterprise side, usually we're talking about the IT side from all of our talks about MES systems, manufacturing execution systems. And that's where we our IOTA comes into play. It connects the OT, the operational technology, the machines, which are not PC-based, most, most largely, to the ERP side or the manufacturing spoke on the ERP enterprise resource planning wheel. And so an ERP system runs the entire organization. That said, we refer to that side, ERP, the other accounting, you know, accounting software, shipping, receiving, so all the PC-based softwares that are out there in each department are usually on the IT side or the enterprise side. So as far as the needs for, for that on that side, again, our PA is more basically recording mouse clicks. I think it's going to have to become more about enterprise and connectivity at some point because sometimes your information may not come in an email or something that anybody can open with you know pdfs or whatever it may actually be in a larger database server a database environment or even cloud-based environment but even in the cloud-based environment it's going to be in some type of a data table or file structure and so to be able to go get those files and do stuff with them an RPA could do that if the file's always in a certain directory and just like the email. Again, a person, it's emulating what a person can do. Mm-hmm. It's just doing it very quickly and consistently. And so the trouble is people are smarter than software. And yeah, anybody. <laughs> Everybody is smarter than software uh, because a human can look at something and say, that doesn't look right. Or if if information's coming in and it's abbreviated or stuff like that, I mean, goodness gracious. That's where, is that where the machine learning can come in? Potentially. Okay. Um, uh, but again, that's an algorithm, uh, a bit of software that has to learn that. So it would take a machine a lot longer to learn and recognize that LOL means laugh out loud. But for a human... We can sit and think for a minute, what does this mean in this context? Because we can put context to it That's right. and kind of figure it out. Uh, a machine, maybe one day, maybe Elon's prediction comes true and and we're all messed up but because machines can figure out what LOL means without being told. Is that the end of the world? <laughs> That's it. That's when it all comes to an end. Um, when machines can know what LOL means. When they can use... Use uh, text abbreviations and emojis. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway. um, But the enterprise side is is vast. It is, yeah. And and so, 
it, it, you circling back to what you were going to say, it's not limited to enterprise applications. So uh, that's a misconception saying that you have to only use enterprise, to me, again, IT-based solutions. I think we're going toward that. And the truth is, so, so Brandon, how would you do this then? Manufacturing and OT and, you know, those machines have PLCs and we, we don't know how to talk to that. You know, there's no software we can open with that. You know, the programming software, we're not going to put that in the hands of the accountant or whomever that needs to do this. Well, we have done some stuff and we can do stuff. uh, And it really comes down to the organization using the IOTA and some of the tools that are on our IOTA. There are other PC-based software, SCADA systems and things of that nature that may or may not be able to do this kind of stuff. Usually we write information directly into a data table. That's really what we're built to do. But we have, we can call on an email server and we can populate and create an email and in the body of the email it have information and we can put that in a very concise and consistent way. We can email that to someone or some RPA bot and it open it, select the information and go from there. Uh-huh. But again, that's one half of, of, of the problem. We're sending the information from the plant floor, which is huge for most folks. It's the hardest part to do, isn't it? Get the communications in the plant floor. Well, rather than getting the data from the plant floor in an automatic fashion. Automated. RPA, robotic process automation, which is derived from the word automatic, not manual. Because industrial automation, it doesn't have to be manual. And so most, a lot, and I would say most, a lot of folks are still on the manufacturing floor having people use tick sheets and, and write down things and man, you know manually write out or manually enter uh, information that they're seeing reading off of the the uh, displays, the HMIs, things of that nature of the machines at a certain time or at an end of shift or that kind of stuff to get that information in. Again, that's just the manufacturing data. We're not going to be in the accounting department with an IOTA or shipping receiving necessarily uh, because our IOTA is built to house native communications drivers to be able to talk to all those PLCs and robots and CNCs and those kind of things. And so there's a license, there's licensing involved with that, and you know you're paying off a lot to not talk to any of the machines. <laughs> so it's not really built for that kind of stuff. I'm not saying it couldn't do it, but that's not really where we fit. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for manufacturing data to come into and be introduced to an RPA, we could possibly do that through the email, or again, if there if the RPA software is higher level connect has the higher level connectivity capability of being able to query data or something like that, then we can push that information in, into a database for it to query. But but again, that goes a little bit higher. That's like RPA 2.0. There is such a thing. Is there? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they're already there. <laughs> can it can it interpret LOL without being told? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> There's really an RPA 2.0, right? There is. There okay. is. It's um. Oh, I had it on my other piece of paper. Um, RPA see. 2.0. Oh, it's unassisted RPA or where it just happens automatically. Yes. So yes. we talked about the the macros. Okay, that makes sense. We talked about the macros in Excel, and I said you'd have to have a key sequence. You have to do something. A human's got to be there to kind of. Kick, set it off, kick it off. Uh, so that's talking about that it would just run automatically, which scheduled reporting and things of that nature is not far-fetched. So if there's an RPA software that basically based upon a time, based upon you know a 
calendar, whatever this month, this if it's end of quarter, that kind of stuff, I can see see that happening. So it just needs some means of of triggering itself. Okay. Okay. Uh, but there again, everything's got to be consistent that it's that it's reading. Okay. So. RPA 3.0, that's where <laughs> RPAs are able to go out and query databases and pull data back and then incorporate that into your accounting software or your receiving software or whatever, your manufa- even manufacturing reporting and things of that nature. So it would go out automatically and pull it. Yeah. And to be able to have that connectivity, I don't know for sure if they're there yet. Okay. Okay. So what tools are available for manufacturers to bring about RPA on their plant floor? Now, we're going to talk about robotic process automation. Mm -hmm. And this is the real robotic process automation. Well, (laughs) on the the plant floor, we talked about the IOTA as far as being able to pull stuff from manufacturing up. And again, that's just one department within the organization. Uh, and that and the iota is a great option for that just because it's point and click there's very short learning curves and things of that nature it, we tout it at being very simple to use mm-hmm. but if you use robot for what i say it means mm-hmm. and process automation for what i know it for then suddenly we're not talking about the software we've just been sitting here talking about. We're talking about robots. Yeah, this is your wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot more comfortable for me than than bots. So one, I mean, so so think about it. What we're talking about with RPA is is copying what a human would do: mouse clicks mm-hmm. and keyboard punches or whatever. The closest, I guess that's what the nature of your question is, what's, what would be similar to this on the plant floor, on the manufacturing floor, that does not have to do with this robotic process automation RPA that we've just been talking about, but it's similar in what it does, and that would be a collaborative robot. Yeah. And we, we are proud to represent plenty of industrial robots. FANUC mm-hmm. is one big one for us. And FANUC has collaborative options, and they always have. Uh, for a long time, uh, collaborative robots, but they handle really large stuff, and they can be really, really, they can handle some really big payloads. Um, and then they've got a, a new model that is out, has been out for about a year, but uh, is slowly developing in the United States. And then we are excited to announce that we have picked up an all-collaborative line. They don't do any industrial robots; they've never done that. It's all collaborative and we're very excited about it we like the build i like the fact that it's cast arms and not aluminum tubing i like the fact that it's got all of the feature sets i like the interface so i'm excited about it and that's hanwha robotics and so hanwha has been in the injection mold robot uh, robots for years and about five or six years ago they developed a industrial we call industrial collaborative robot now what's collaborative mean collaborative means what will marketing tell you that collaborative means? Marketing will tell you, you don't have to guard it. You can slide it right in between people and let her go. And that's just not true. Everything has to be guarded because everything can inflict damage. Even other humans. Yeah. <laughs> you, you you might not want to slide certain humans in between other two humans because they may cause damage too. But in this case, uh, in all seriousness, a collaborative robot, we have to look at what it's doing, what the task is, what's the risk of that task. You have to do a risk assessment. It could be stuff like how fast is it moving? How much range of motion does it have? What's the tooling look like? Is it really large and blunt? Is it heavy or is it very light? You know, it can be large and light or it can be large and heavy. And if it's fairly heavy and it's moving fairly quickly, then if it hits someone, it could it could hurt. Could hurt them. 
But if it's light and very pointed and sharp. That could still hurt. <laughs> it would hurt more because even though you don't have the mass there, because mass, you know, force equals mass times acceleration. That's the, that goes back to old Isaac Newton it is, is one thing. But if you focus that force at a point, so like if it's an automatic screw driving application or even a deburr application, things of that nature, uh, repetitive type task, right, mm-hmm. uh, that we're trying to, to get rid of where we want to mimic human motion, that's where collaborators really shine. But safety does have to be, it's more than just it doesn't need guarding. It's got force sensors in there that can pick up on a collision with a person. But again... If I if I collide with you, remember remember your parents teach you don't run with scissors. Yeah, but they never said anything about running with the Kleenex box, right? <laughs> That's right. So it's according to what you're carrying and how fast you're going. Because you could carry scissors as long as you were walking. That's right. But you could carry Kleenex box and you could sprint, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's what you're carrying that comes into play and how fast you're carrying it uh, is really the risk assessment. How much damage can occur? And how quickly can it be arrested? And so those are basic safety guidelines that we use for any robot, any application. But with collaboratives, the marketeers tend to oversell the safetiness of it. And mm-hmm. so I've always said, you don't see a collaborative robot that's not guarded in some way, shape, or form. And usually that's by safety light scanners or maybe light curtains or something like that. But there's some type of, it may not be hard guarding, fencing and things of that nature, but light Guard, light-based mm-hmm. guarding, uh, because you want to be able to slow down, arrest, whatever. But that said, enough about that. Collaborative robots, marketing says you don't have to guard them. You do have to guard them. What Brandon says that, that's similar to what I think of when I think of RPA. RPA is mimicking human human movement. Mm-hmm. These sensors that are, pick, that are installed in the collaborative robots that will protect humans, they're usually according to the model, but usually at each joint or each axis axis of motion, and they pick up on force. And so they can sense when they come up against something that they shouldn't, a resistance. Okay. And so that's for the safety part of it. But also from a programming standpoint, you can do what's called direct teach or direct control. So we can put the robot in a posture, meaning that it's just, it's just floating. Okay. And based upon those sensors, if I push it in a direction, the sensors will pick up on that force and they will give way in that direction. And so it's it's almost like a lift assist or a counterbalance except in any direction in 3D space. And so now I can grab the end of the robot and I can move it around. I can move it through a path. I can even say to the operator, take hold of the end of this robot and perform the task as you would normally perform it. And we can record that motion. Oh, there's a little more to programming a robot than just recording a path. This is another thing that the sales and marketing folks come to your site. They show you this thing real quick and say, see, it's done. And they sell you this thing. And, and a lot of, for a lot of folks, it's an it's a, it's a eye-opener because you still have to manage programs within, uh, within the robot. Now, I really like the interface of the Hanwha for this reason because it's very intuitive compared to many of the others that I've all of, um, nearly all of the others that I've come to play with. Uh, Fanix is pretty good as well, but uh, we've been using the Fanix long, or the Hanwha longer, and so we're a bit more familiar uh, with, familiar it. with mm-hmm. it. But we like a lot of the connectivity that it brings about too. Anyway, I'm getting off, off base here. Being able to mimic what they do, you can call that from a program and say, do this. 
Okay. Run this program and it will run that pattern in similar fashion. Now, the ability to be able to speed that up a little bit, to smooth it out, those kind of things, we can get more quality potentially from that. But ultimately, what we're doing is real similar to an RPA. RPA records tasks in a Windows-based environment or sometimes a PC environment. We can record tasks in 3D environment on the manufacturing floor using Cobots. And so... That really is, that direct teach is what everyone's after. Okay. Because now, if we decide, yeah, that path we taught needs to be a little different. Yeah. Most anybody can put it in this mode and just teach the path again. And then the software is just, the program is just calling whatever path you taught. And so if you change it, it doesn't care. It's just going to run that path instead of the path And you don't have before. to be a programmer to do that. You do didn't you? have to do all the other programs. We can help you with that. But once that's done, now you're empowered with the collaborative so that you can do those kind of things and te- reteach those paths. It's like the RPA software where any regular person can make it work. Mm-hmm. It's just like the Cobots. Once it's programmed, yeah. <laughs> then... The operator can teach it its path. Yeah, right? all the paths and teaching the points and stuff like that becomes very easy to do. I mean, there's a teach pendant involved with any model, but on in our industrial robots, the teach pendant is the do all wear all. That's all you got because you don't you have, have those the, sensors mm-hmm. in in the robot. So if you take an industrial robot and you put power on it, every joint has a brake, a, a mechanical brake, just like pressing the brake pedal on your car. And so when you turn power off, those brakes engage to keep it from just falling to the... Yeah. Because <laughs> the motors would just unwind and it would just fall to the tabletop or the ground or wherever. So it has to be able to lock itself in position and you cannot move it. I mean, it's got the brakes on. With collaboratives, because of these force sensors, it can tell when it's about to fall. And so it can hold itself in space. It can tell when you're pushing on it and outside forces acting on it. And, and it'll give way. Because it just senses that force and says, okay, I'm letting go in this position. And it becomes compliant at that point. Okay. And so that's because of the feedback or the, the information that it's getting from these sensors, these force sensors in each joint. And so any collaborative robot that's out there has the capability of doing direct teach because they have these sensors in place. Uh, a standard industrial robot does not. But the use cases of the two are totally different. Not that you can't mimic what someone does with an industrial robot but you're going to have to teach that using a pendant which is almost like a joystick so to speak i mean you're having to drive the robot and you can't press the buttons in such a way that you can emulate exactly what the human's doing you're you're kind of trying to hit points along the way to resemble it but it's it's not as smooth as actually watching what the human does and recording it rpa records what the human does with the mouse and the keyboard mm-hmm. and the applications it comes into contact with, collaborative process automation, I just made that up, <laughs> CPA. <laughs> Not to be confused with accounting. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> collaborative robots are recording those paths, and, and then, of course, you can teach individual points as well, but it, it can be done in a very easy way by the operator just moving or monitoring what the operator would do if they were normally doing it. And they w- it would monitor based with the vision system? No, you oh. would put it in record. You press record. Oh, oh, wow, okay. It's just like the RPAs. You're going to hit record just like the macro. You hit record, and it's like, okay, I'm watching you. And as soon as you start moving, it starts watching where you go and okay. recording that, that path. Now, not all of the, the platforms out there 
Uh, Hanwha is not one of them, <laughs> but not all can can they want they also report re- record your speed and your accelerations, not just the positions of the path. And the problem with that is, is usually when an operator is doing this, they're not necessarily doing it at their normal speed because mm-hmm. they're dragging this robot around. It's it's not totally weightless. It takes some some you know you got to move it. And so to be able to, it, with the platform, certain platforms, and Hanwha is one of those platforms, part of why I'm so excited, is that we can then take those paths and simply say, go a little faster and increase the speed by a percentage. Okay. Up to a limit, but but we can increase it. And that's one of the things that we have looked for. And we finally found it about, I don't know, a little over a year ago and have worked with them a lot. And the pandemic slowed everything down. But... Today, officially, we are the Hanwha distributor for the United oh, States of America. Right. What's the... Yeah, so... Nope. Hanwha Robotics. How about that? Th- that's better. Yeah. I need to add <laughs> the clapping better. back. I, uh, <laughs> we replaced the applause with... Uh, okay. But anyway, so that's collaborative robots. What do you think? I think it's a really nice parallel to to the RPA software. (laughs) Yeah, I think so as well. And so hopefully it dispels some misconceptions on both sides. That's right. Uh, On the RPA side, that robotic process automation has anything to do with robotics as far as mechanical robotics or humanoid robotics and what it is and how you can possibly, if if you have a situation where you have menial and repeatable tasks, repetitive tasks that are going on in your workplace right now. Google RPA, mm-hmm. ro- Robotic Process Automation, and you'll be surprised at what you find. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there. You mm-hmm. use one. I do, yeah. The transcription software. That's right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And it, so what does it do for you? It um, I upload the file from uh, our podcast and it transcribes it, but I still need to go through it. Yeah, you have to check it. But but what transcribing by what she's saying is is it types out, it listens to my East Tennessee accent and hers as well, and it figures out tries to figure out what words we're saying. Yes. And and it begins to type that out. And so then she doesn't have to listen and type. That's right. Uh more so go back and just check for errors. That's right. Yeah. And so that saves you how much time? It saves quite a bit, depending on how Tennessee we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And then we talked about AI. And so an example of AI with that software, of course, and we're going off on another tangent here, but getting off on the first topic would be, and I'm doing this by design because I want to see how your software uh, does. Yes, this will be curious. Is if I say, hey. What are you referring to? Yeah. Hey, Brandon? Yeah. If I or say, hey, I... Beth, how are you? <laughs> or if I say... There was some hay out in the road. <laughs> yeah. Hey, did you see the hay that's out by the road? It's the horse's hay, but not my hay. Hey? <laughs> and so we'll see what that does, and we'll report on that. But uh, but that is an example of RPA to a point. I mean, it's it's very much in, you know specific. Mm-hmm. It's a software. It's not recording your movements, but it's still an example of something that reduces labor, decreases cycle time, and hopefully gives you some amount of quality and consistency. It do- yes, and it it is it does learn. Oh, it, so it, it does it, have AI. It does. Yes, yes, it does learn. About- <laughs> so it's gonna have a. <laughs> so I just gave it a book report. <laughs> so that's RPA, and I think that the same 
your reasons for automating can apply to both. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, again, quality and consistency. Uh, yours might not be as consistent, but it's learning. So it, it will become more consistent. And then second of all, decrease cycle time, increase production. It would take you days yeah. to to type all this out, uh, I think. Uh, maybe if you type really fast. It would take me weeks because I type, I, I'm, I type more mistakes than, than, than <laughs> that software can possibly create. Uh, reduce labor. Uh, it's not that we're knocking Beth out of a job. It's just that Beth has so many other things that she has to do in her daily grind. This is not something she needs to be. There are, there are more meaningful That's tasks right. that can be done. So to be able to take, I don't know, one to two days, maybe three days, and, and, and pull that down to a few hours yeah. uh, is is certainly a reduce, reduction in, in the amount of labor that you have to do. Uh, flexibility, quick sit up. That's number four. That doesn't really, uh, I think, apply as much. But uh, but those first three, I, I agree with you. So robotic process automation. That's for re- repetitive PC based task, software based task. We're going to record those kind of things, and we're going to do what the operator would do. We're going to do it the same way every time. Now we switch gears to robotic process automation. Cobotic process yeah, automation. That's right. <laughs> that's on the plant floor, and with collaborative robots. We can teach the same way. We can we can watch what the operator is doing. And again, this is typically a repetitive, maybe ergonomically unsafe task uh, that we can get this. We can get a high level of quality and consistency. It might be able to do it a little faster. It's definitely going to be a reduction in labor, so they can focus on taking care of other tasks that, that the robots can't do. Uh, but the robot can do this thing over and over. But more importantly, it can save them from carpal tunnel and things of that nature, the repetitive natures of, the, of this test. And then with robots, we do have flexibility and quick setup mm-hmm. uh, because we can just change gears, change programs quickly. Yeah. And so, but yeah, that's that's a great parallel, and I, I like the fact that we did that, you, that. We did this this way. Absolutely, yes. Thank you for your insights. Well, I don't know how insightful I was on the RPA side. Oh, well, you you know all about the cobots. So. Well, the cobots, I'm <laughs> totally, totally, totally comfortable. RPA is interesting. Uh, I really want to see where it goes. I think it is developing. I, I don't know. I don't know what it means for students going into oh, yeah. college now, if developing that type of stuff. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to be developing probably an application software. It's an application that does all that. But being able to figure out stuff, being able to learn, mm-hmm. I think that's the probably the next step on that. And then this increased enterprise connectivity. And hopefully the IOTA makes that easier for folks as far as getting their manufacturing stuff. I would think so. Yeah. And then collaborative robots, man. They're, they're the craze. Uh, give us a call. We can, we'd love to work with you. And if, if you need a collaborative robot, that's got fantastic capability, that's built well, uh, cast uh, limbs instead of the aluminum hollow tubing and uh, steel gears and those kind of things, but man, just as collaborative and, and, and safe as can be with good good communications capability. You always hear me talk about communications connectivity. Then give us a call uh, here at Ella Tech. 865-409-1555. Yep, that's the phone number. Uh, or you can look us up online, www.elitech.com, E-L-L-I-T-E-K.com. And then we got all the LinkedIn, Twitters, and Facebooks, and Instagrams. So pretty much Elitech. So if you're on LinkedIn, it's Elitech hyphen, I would say dash. 
dash or hyphen? Either one. Whichever you... Beth says hyphen, I say dash. Elatech dash, Inc., I-N-C. If you're on Twitter, it's Elatech underscore Inc. And if you're on Facebook, it's just Elatech. And remember, Elatech's with a K. So, rate... What is it you say all the time? Uh, Rate and review. (laughs) (laughs) Rate and review. And so we want to have your feedback. We want to hear from you as far as topics that you would like to hear, information that you would like us to gather and discuss. If you have someone you'd like to suggest that we consider as a host or to host as a guest on the podcast, let us know that. Um, We have had some folks that have reached out to us and we're talking to them, excited about that uh, and getting some more great information out there. So thank you again very much to all of our listeners for letting us, I'm going to say eclipse, imminent eclipsing of 1100 downloads. And we're going to keep going, keep growing. So uh, thank you very much for that. Beth. Yes, Brandon. I think we've rolled to the end of another episode. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Brandon. Thank you all for listening. We do appreciate you. All right. Have a great day, everybody. See you, Beth.